Collateral Creatives was created and hosted by XN Radio. If you wish to get in touch with either me or Cheyenne, then feel free to leave us an email at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. We love getting feedback and requests for future episodes, so we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for your listenership and enjoy the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Collateral Creatives, the show where we go into content that's not necessarily Christian so that we can find messages from God or aspects of God and his gospel. Today is going to be a rather entertaining time. I am your host, Austin Murphy, and I'm joined once again by my lovely co-host, Cheyenne Wyatt. And the reason why I say that today is going to be a really good time is because we're getting into topics that Cheyenne's really passionate about. And these yeah. seem to be the most entertaining episodes for me. <laughs> <laughs> They're also kind of the most entertaining for me, not going to lie. Uh, well, of course they are. You get, to, you get to stretch your knowledge of things a little bit because it's usually me that walks in. And I'm like, I know everything. <laughs> it's Here, I'm going to send you like an hour's worth of videos so that you can watch these and catch up on the lore of this world that we're gonna talk about and I'm like okay okay and so today I didn't have to have any homework because I know what I'm talking exactly about. and I did approximately like five minutes of homework <laughs> so I'm really well prepared for this yeah today's topic the fault in our stars but more specifically I guess more broadly actually uh, John Green as an author his works and how he tackles certain topics that I feel like most authors try to stay away from for various reasons, probably because of how difficult these topics are to tackle in the first place. So first and foremost, I, I actually just kind of want to focus on us for a second here. So like, <laughs> what what is your personal connection to John Green? What makes him so influential to you? Because right now you're wearing one of his t-shirts. <laughs> so like, I want to know. And a jacket. Yeah, exactly. So like, <laughs> what is it about John Green that has uh, appealed to you so much? So, this is a little bit of a story, <laughs> but um, John and his brother Hank started a YouTube channel back in 2007 called The Vlog Brothers, and this was a project to stay in touch now that they're adults and build their relationship because they realized that they weren't as close with each other as they wanted to be, and sort of just through... YouTube being the way that YouTube is and through other coincidences and the fact that John's an author, their YouTube channel got really popular with a certain group of people that has come to be known as nerd fighters. My seventh grade science teacher happened to show one of their videos in class because he just really liked the topic. Sometimes he would do that where he would show a funny video or a thought-provoking one before class before we actually got into things and that was like my first introduction into the world of nerd fighteria as it's called and for me I kind of just latched on to it after that not like directly that day but as I think we've maybe mentioned, I have chronic illness as a thing in my life, and when I was homesick a lot, I needed something to keep my mind off that and kind of just 
uh, take up time since, you know, I would finish all my homework and I ran out of books every once in a while and trying to binge watch a YouTube channel that's been around since 2007 works. And that's how I really got into the nerd fight ter- nerd fighter community. And I've been about, I've been involved with it since I was 15, so 2015. And uh, the shirts that Austin mentioned are a part of Pizzamas, which is one of the quote-unquote holidays that <laughs> nerd fighters have, and it raises money for charity. Um, Like right now, uh, they're helping build a maternal health ward of excellence in Sierra Leone. They really do amazing work, and uh, it makes me really proud to be a part of the community. Um, Like alongside being a Christian, like this is maybe like number two on the thing that defines my identity. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to have anyone as someone that you mark as your identity, this is certainly the guy to do it. Uh, I've been, I've been looking a lot into everything that this guy, specifically this guy, I'm not really going into much with Hank, but, uh, with yeah, John Hank Green's is his own beast. Yeah. <laughs> they both are, are kind of a dynamic duo. Um, with John, his influence has been, first of all, very far back, but also very far reaching. Uh, aside from Vlog Brothers, uh, he was one of the main guys behind a very popular YouTube channel that pretty much, at least I'm aware of, most schools will tap into at one point or another crash course. Yeah. Going into, it, it's pretty much a bunch of extracurricular activities that are tied into a ton of different topics, ranging from science to film and all that. So it's really interesting. Um yeah, YouTube asked them, what do you want to do if we give you a bunch of money? And they were like, education, obviously, that's the future. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, they apparently were behind the idea of VidCon. Yeah, that, that was, was more their Hank, whole thing. But... Uh, they've had a, a annual event called the Project for Awesome that they have raised money for various goals across so the world. So much money. Um, that's coming up February 25th. <laughs> hey. uh, and then we've got something called Mental Floss on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into things like podcasts. He was involved with one called Dear Hank and John, obviously. Still ongoing. Yes. Uh, the Anthropocene Reviewed. Yeah, that's uh, been adapted into a book that yes. recently came out. Mm-hmm. And as for his books, his writings are actually pretty well known and pretty well versed, uh, or at least... Well loved. Well loved, yes. Uh, for the it, most part, some people don't necessarily like John Green. They don't get him. So there's looking... (laughs) I'm really biased, as you may have noticed by now. So maybe take some of the stuff I say with a grain of salt if I start going off on a rant. You could also say... You could also take it as a mountain of salt if you agree with her. (laughs) Yes. This is the mountain of salt that we are throwing. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, The books that he's gotten behind, though, including short stories and other such things, uh, Looking for Alaska, An Abundance of Catherines, Let It Snow, Three Holiday Romances. Yeah, he wrote that with Maureen Johnson, and I want to say David Levithan. Lauren Myersel. Uh, I don't know how to say her name. Oh, well. David Levithan was the one that he wrote Will Grayson, Will Grayson with. Yes, yes. Uh, Paper Towns, The Fault in Our Stars, Totals All the Way Down, and then the most recent book ad- adaptation of The Anthropocene Reviewed. Um, he also apparently did a couple short stories, uh, including <laughs> The Approximate Cost of Loving Caroline, The Great American Morp, 
Freak the Geek Reasons and Double on Call and other short stories. Um, along with some other random sort of internet contributions, such as This Is Not Tom, Zombie Corns. Yeah, that's why I was laughing. <laughs> the War for Banks Island, <laughs> a sequel to Zombie Corns. Yeah. Uh, Space and the Cat and the Mouse, and An Imperial Affliction, although that is the end of his contributions there. That was uh, that was kind of at the end yeah. of the Fault in Our Stars binge there. The... Um Anthropocene, or not Anthropocene review, the zombie corn one was a short story that he wrote specifically for the project for Awesome. They do a thing where they uh, give away uh, perks for donations. And so if you give this much, then you get this like reward for Mm -hmm. donating. And so that was one of them. Yeah. One year. And his filmography is even pretty good. I mean, it's it's only got five films on it. Well, four, uh, three. They basically just kind of <laughs> started counting Crash Course and Vlogbrothers as part of his filmography, which kind of makes sense, but it's also like YouTube, so you, you kind of yeah. go back and forth on whether or not it's true film. I guess Crash Course is a little bit He's closer. He's been doing four-minute-long videos for the last... 15 years and I mean they're still interesting so yeah good good job for him Uh, the fault in our stars paper towns uh, (laughs) they both got their movie adaptations yeah and he actually did a cameo in the fault in our stars but they took it out Mm -hmm. (laughs) because he had such terrible acting although he did also make a cameo appearance in paper towns yeah uh, as Becca's father apparently yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also ended up being on another podcast for one episode, uh, a podcast called My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, and also on another show that I am uncertain how to pronounce because it's a Brazilian soap opera. <laughs> so he was on there for some reason. Brazil loves him. Really? Yeah. No joke. Like, whenever one of his books comes out, they have to figure out, like, Brazilian nerd fighters Mm -hmm. are like, we need his book. (laughs) Send it to us, help. (laughs) And so, nerd fighters are really cool in that we have, like, a network with each other where we're like, okay, uh, let's figure out a way to get books to each other because he signs books Mm -hmm. for, he's the guy who, in a way, kind of popularized uh, pre-signing books that are coming out mm-hmm. because when he was younger, he <laughs> tells this story and it's like so sad when he tells it where he had this beat up paperback that he just loved and he uh, went to another town to see the author and they wouldn't sign it. They were only signing Uh, the new additions and he didn't have enough money because he was just like this broke teenager and he was like okay I'm an author now my fans will never go without a signed edition if they want one Mm -hmm. and so whenever he comes out with a new book now it's always signed that's great Um, like he has he had to go and get uh, occupational therapy for his wrist (laughs) (laughs) because of all the book signing that he does and so anyway that only works for the states though because of publishing companies and all of that and nerd fighters band together to make sure that the signed books can go to like brazil and other places where mm-hmm. there's such a high concentration right and so we ship them to other fans around the world so they can also have the signed copies and it's just a really cool community that's and beautiful i'm gonna 
jump off that soapbox <laughs> so we can stay on sure. track. Uh, capping off this guy and his achievements because he does really deserve a lot of uh, a lot of attention and praise for the stuff that he has gotten done. Uh, he's won multiple awards, uh, nominated for one, but he already won that award previously, so it didn't really like matter all that much. Uh, he had won the Michael L. Prince Award for looking at, for Alaska. Mm-hmm. Uh, nominated for that same award for An Abundance of Catherines. Then he won the Edgar Allan Poe Award for Paper Towns for Best Young Adult Novel. He also won the Corrine Literature Prize Award from Paper Towns as well, Young Adult Novel. Uh, the Indiana Authors Award, uh, basically just a national author award just for being a great author. Uh, he also won the Children's Choice Book Awards for The Fault in Our Stars as Teen Book of the Year. Uh, and also Los Angeles Times Book Prize and the MTVU Fandom Awards. So he's he's well known around multiple circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in that's I mean it's not even shocking really when you're looking at the repertoire that he has, especially in terms of how he does storytelling. Um, what is it about John Green's books that make him so unique and so appealing to these young audiences? Do you think? So. I don't know if it's necessarily something unique. I think it's more the way that he says it. I think because he writes about something that is actually really common, but like I said, it's the way he says it. Mm -hmm. All of John's books, they're about almost wildly different things. Uh, (laughs) Because like looking for Alaska is like boarding school, grief. How do we handle that? Mm -hmm. an abundance of Catherine's is where am I going with my life? What am I doing? Also, romance <laughs> is a thing and footnotes. <laughs> you laugh, but there are so many footnotes in that book. <laughs> it's part of the plot. Really? <laughs> yes. That's funny. Uh, then Paper Towns is about like mystery investigation. Uh, travel, growing up, uh, all of them do have a little bit of that like coming of age vibe. Uh, the Fall in Our Stars, or Tifios, uh, as I might call it, <laughs> uh, is cancer, illness, sadness for a lot of people because most people tend to cry over Tifios. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's the cancer book. If you know, you ask anyone, they're like, oh, he's the guy who wrote the cancer book. Um, if they know anything about John Green, that tends to be the thing. Uh, Turtles All the Way Down is mystery, OCD, mental health stuff. All of them come together and tell a story about how we see each other and see each other complexly. Yeah. Um, which is ironic because Hank his brother when he was renaming his company actually named it complexly really Mm -hmm. that's funny Uh, that's not telling at all (laughs) well and he explained it as you know we've spent so long together trying to see people Mm -hmm. I think like you've been telling stories for so long the intention behind them is to see each other complexly Mm. and so that's what this the intention of this company should be is complexly and uh i think that's what draws people in is not necessarily like oh this is such a unique story because there are better stories out there um about coming of age 
stories or stories about um, mysteries or mental health. But I think the way that he says it Mm -hmm. is unique in that he gives it more thought. Um, He frames it more as a, hey, let's sit and talk about this for a second. And so it's not necessarily plot-driven or even character-driven. It's more thought-driven. And that's what's unique, at least in my experience. Right. And what part of that uh, that whole idea that you just uh, created for us, what part of that do you think sticks out to you the most when it comes to specifically the Fault the fall in Our Stars, uh, the main subject of today's episode? Yeah. So, and this might be <laughs> getting ahead of myself a little, but <laughs> um, I want there to be time for uh, this specific conversation. <laughs> so I think this might be a good time to go ahead and have it. Sure. Um like I said, sometimes uh, the most that people know about John Green is that he's the one who wrote The Fallen in Our Stars. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, that's the cancer book. And they see it as a, or they have the impression that it romanticizes cancer and um, that's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because they've just seen advertisements with the movie um, where there's a girl laying in the grass with a nasal cannula um, and a guy next to her and they don't actually know the story. And that's, like I said, that's all they know about it. Mm-hmm. And like, if that is your impression of the book and that's like what you took away Okay, but I am maybe going to throw some salt at you. (laughs) (laughs) We got this mountain sitting here. (laughs) Yeah, Um, because I have um, kind of, not aggressively, but I have fought with people about this before. Like um, freshman year, I was having a actually really good conversation about books and like reading in general Hmm. with an upperclassman. And then we got onto John Green because I really like John Green. And she was like, oh, yeah, that cancer book. And I was like, (laughs) oh, no. Um, And she didn't like Tifios. And I was like, okay, that's valid. But you need to understand there's more to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's two things that I've personally pulled from for, like, explaining why there's more to it. Yeah. The first is the use you used to call me Augustus scene, which isn't in the movie, and it really should be because that's <laughs> that's the whole point of the book, at least to me. Uh, so this is where we get into spoilers. So spoiler, spoiler, spoiler warning. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have been warned. Anyway, so Augustus Waters, the main guy in the book, he's dying. And because his cancer came back, he's going to die. And his health's declining. And so Hazel, who's the one that thought she was going to be the one to die, she described herself as a grenade waiting to go off. Like, she has 
been struggling with the weight of knowing that she's probably going to die and it's going to be traumatic for her family and Augustus who's been in remission is also going to be left behind now because they got into a romantic relationship like she's a grenade she's going to just like leave carnage in her wake with her death Mm -hmm. um and it turns out to be Augustus who's going to die first and that's rough anyway uh, so he's declining. His sisters come into town and they're going to spend time with him for like as much time as he has left because like he is going to die like within the next few weeks. Yeah. And she notices that his sisters call him Gus. The whole book that he's been going by Augustus. And she kind of picks up on this habit like, oh yeah, Gus, 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 Gus. <laughs> um and at first he doesn't really say anything but then he goes like struggling to breathe because he's so sick Mm. you used to call me augustus Mm. and like he's so incredibly upset and she like is hit because she knows the same struggle that like he is going through Mm -hmm. where people's perception of someone when they're sick changes like we treat people as less than when they're sick without even really meaning to right and that you used to call me augustus is such a powerful line and speaks to it Mm -hmm. and i think it's something that like as someone with chronic illness like that is like yes we need (laughs) to have that explained more Mm -hmm. um the other thing it that I love about the fault in our stars and I think explains that like hey we need to see people complexly um is the cigarette thing <laughs> uh so when Hazel first meets Augustus he's kind of like charming and all of that stuff and then he pulls yeah. out a cigarette mm-hmm. uh and he puts it between his teeth and she's like excuse me sir because <laughs> uh, you know she has her nasal cannula and she's dragging around oxygen and she's like how dare you and <laughs> he's like oh no 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 I don't actually smoke <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a metaphor and she's like huh <laughs> and he's like you see like when you hold it between your teeth like you know these things kill people but you hold it between your teeth but then you don't let it kill you and she's like okay you're weird. Um, <laughs> and then they end up falling in love, and it's kind of cute. But later, when he is dying, he can't find his cigarettes. Because it's like, he just has this one beaten up pack of cigarettes yeah. that he's been carrying around. And he, like, sticks the same one in his mouth, and it's, like, questionable sanitation. This guy. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> He can't find his cigarettes. And so Hazel wakes up in the middle of the night to a phone call from Augustus. And he's like, Hazel Grace. And she's like, Augustus? And he's like, I'm at the gas station. I need help. And so she like drives there. And she's like, what's wrong? What are you even doing here? It's like two in the morning or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, not okay. Um, Because he should be hooked up to a lot of machinery. And he's like, I came to try to buy some cigarettes. And, like, I I don't know where my pack went. I don't know if they took it away or if they just, like, disappeared. 
And like that scene is not about the cigarettes. It's about the control. Because like that was the point in the book where I was like, oh crap, he's gonna actually die. He's mm. not gonna be okay. Yeah. Because the cigarettes are a metaphor. It's about the control you have in life. Mm. And like, you know, you're holding death between your teeth and then you are able to pull it away. And when they took away his cigarettes or he lost it or lost them, mm-hmm. he lost that control. He lost the ability to not die. And that meant so much to him that he was willing to sneak out of his house and try to get cigarettes when he's underage. Yeah. And risk his life and like no one else would go buy him cigarettes and I think he asked and that's something that was so important to him and it didn't matter to other people Mm. and that's something where it's like we need to see people complexly and see the things that matter to them even when they're dying Um, my mom works hospice or at least used to work hospice she has another job now and there would be random requests like that where they would be like I really want blank and Sometimes it would be something really dumb. (laughs) It's like, you want a McDonald's cheeseburger? Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like, um, you're on a feeding tube. (laughs) Uh, huh. But they would figure out a way to, like, try to make it work. Because, like, people's desires and like the reasons why they ask for things when they're in that situation of like I'm about to die yeah matters and like people don't usually stop to think about that mm-hmm. um and so yeah that's kind of like with Tifios especially like you see that um in the other books that John's written as well because like Anthropocene reviewed is specifically about the Anthropocene or like things specific to humans <laughs> Uh, and yeah so that's like my personal <laughs> rant that I tend to like give people like hey actually there's more to the fall on our stars than just romanticizing cancer right and so like you're thinking that most of that romanticize- romanticism comes from the movie release is that what you're thinking so I think it comes more from people just not thinking critically or using discernment as we like to say collateral discernment it's Um, about discernment (laughs) because i don't know if people actually engage with the movie or the book like they should the movie is actually a pretty decent adaptation uh like there's points where it quotes directly from the novel like word for word for a good long while Mm -hmm. um i think also they don't know who the book was dedicated to Mm. um like they don't know some of the history or the intent and like it does raise that debate like okay authorial intent doesn't matter when it comes to novels um but i think it does provide an interesting context for okay that explains a lot like uh jd salinger the guy who wrote catcher in the rye he was a veteran who saw more war than like tolkien or uh, vonnegut 
who and those guys tended to write about like adventure and quests and Salinger wrote about a kid who had lost his brother and was now lost himself in the middle of New York Mm -hmm. and was trying to figure out what to do with grief and that is very telling like you can have that novel pitch without knowing Salinger's background but when you know Salinger's background it's like oh and I think I kind of had that same moment knowing John Green's background with cancer Mm -hmm. the book is dedicated to Esther Earl and so Esther Earl um, she's responsible for one of Nerdfighteria's other holidays called Esther Day um, she was a nerd fighter herself who died from cancer. Um, and it was before The Fallen Our Stars was written. But she had a request that, because she got to meet John and Hank, um, I don't know if it was for Make-A-Wish Foundation or something along those lines, or if she just happened to get to meet them. It was back when the community was quite a bit smaller. She also... Uh, had a YouTube channel herself, so I don't know if it was through those types of connections or what. Um, but um, anyway, they were like, okay, so we want to make sure that you're remembered. What do you want us to do? And she said, I want there to be a day where people say I love you. And it's not like Valentine's Day where it's romantic. I want there to be a day where we say I love you. Um, to the people that we forget to say I love you to. And so, like, Esther was a really cool person. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, the friendship that they had with her, even though it was really short, um, was really incredible. She has uh, thyroid cancer, um, Mm -hmm. which is the same type of cancer that Hazel has. And people try to draw a lot of parallels between Hazel and Esther. And John has talked about that before, and he's like yes but no um like yes there is some inspiration there but no hazel is not esther Mm -hmm. um john also worked as a chaplain in a children's hospital before writing the fall in our stars gotcha um and so he dealt a lot with dying kids and so the fall in our stars and like suggesting that the fallen in our stars would come from the intent to romanticize illness and romanticize um, death mm-hmm. and make it a tragic romance, I think is very much missing the mark behind what John would personally write about as someone who saw kids dying. Yeah. And knew someone who had personally died from cancer. Mm. And so, like, I know, like, people who have personally lost someone to cancer struggle with the fall in our stars because, like, yeah, it is a love story that has cancer, but it's not a love story about cancer. Yeah. It's a love story and they happen to have cancer. Right. And... I mean, it's pretty easy to see how people would start to confuse it as a love story first, um, especially given who directed this thing. This guy, uh, a man named Josh Boone, directed the film, uh, and he was originally known for a romantic comedy called Stuck in Love. 
and of course, John Green reached out, reached out to him and he's like, hey, I got this project for you. And Josh was actually really interested in the project. He was uh, kind of head over heels for it because he loved the book. He loved the story and he wanted to really get a proper adaptation. He did try really hard to, to make it as good as possible. Um, I think probably my favorite part about the movie, though, is the fact that they got somehow Willem Dafoe <laughs> in there, uh, better known as Green Goblin in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man films. No idea how they nailed him, but, I mean, that's pretty awesome to me. Um, there's not really much to say about the Fault in Our Stars movie, aside from how... Yeah, because uh, like, it follows the book so closely. It, it really minus does. Minus the whole, like, they call him Gus throughout thing, mm-hmm. which I've already addressed. Yeah, so, like, it's its own thing, and it's it's not something that needs to be touched on all that much. Um, it's really cool that they actually have her um, wearing the nasal cannula. Yeah. Um, I remember that being a discussion about whether or not it was okay for <laughs> an actress to, you know, wear a nasal cannula, da-da-da. Yeah, whatever. Um, And so it was like kind of a big deal when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And now I think like that's kind of a normal thing in TV shows now. Well, a random fun fact before we move on to our final segment of our usual episodes. Uh, Just it really is kind of just random. During my research, uh, I found out that there's actually a new version of The Fault in Our Stars. Uh, It's on a special streaming service called Disney Plus Hotshot or Hotspot, something one of those things. Interesting. Um, It's India exclusive. You can only watch it if you're in an Indian province of some sort. And it's a Bollywood remake of oh, The Fault I've in Our Stars. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and it's been in the works for like eight years. Yeah. And it's finally been released as of last year, I believe. Um, so you can watch it right now if you're somewhere in India. Uh, no, it's Hot Stop. That's what it is. Okay. It's Disney Plus Hot Stop, and it's just filled with uh, Indian-made and produced content, apparently. So that exists. I'm not entirely sure why. <laughs> that exists. <laughs> like after it was, it, they they started production immediately after Fault in Our Stars came yeah. out. Yeah. So like it was just kind of. I think there's one for Paper Towns too, but I might be wrong. It's just you know Bollywood has that interesting thing of just this is a really fascinating idea. What if we just did this, and different (laughs) it's it's like uh, going through bollywood films like there's a bollywood version of the terminator there's a bollywood version of irobot there's they basically will see like the american market and then just remake it in their own unique way and it's kind of entertaining to see what they can come up with because their style of filmmaking is just it's either it's like a weird mix of it either is completely like off the wall insane really cool really impressive stuff or it's really jank. There's really no in between. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, and for those who don't know that kind of lingo, janked means uh, <laughs> it's it's off a little bit. It doesn't look quite right. It, it it's a little uneasy almost with how iffy things can look on screen, especially relating to like VFX or how things are shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they do kind of accentuate a lot of things and exaggerate a lot of actions. Although they do things in a really cool way. Like I think they probably popularized the idea of I'm going to drift this car and then get out while it's drifting and then shoot whatever is chasing me. Like that was, that's pretty sick and they do it a lot. (laughs) So, 
Um, but aside from all those things, we came here for a purpose and we have built up to this point. <laughs> we have a special section of audience members that only watch or listen to this show for this segment. So uh, welcome. We do? special. We do, actually. <laughs> we have a special, a special sect of listeners that will kind of like just kind of skip through the whole... <laughs> Uh, build up process like oh, all the okay. details just so we can get to the god stuff understandable yeah yeah the, i like the god stuff the god stuff is pretty neat you god know stuff's nice god is cool all the time what's that what's that song it's uh it's uh, jesus is a friend of mine jesus is my friend i don't friend. know what song you're talking about what do you mean he, M- professor maddox played it in our class one time jesus is a friend that was of like mine. two years ago you have a memory of an elephant, my friend. How do you not remember that? Sometimes the elephants don't remember where the water is. <laughs> you know, actually, fun fact about elephant memories. There actually was a handler recently that passed away. I think it was from the old age or something. And periodically, the anim- the elephants that he took care of will go and visit his grave site. Aww. Like annually, they'll go and visit the grave site and just kind of chill there. Because apparently elephants actually do remember heritage. Well, and they also do mourning like i already knew that elephants grieve yeah they can i mean can't they cry isn't that a thing (sighs) i don't know like i know that they like make sad noises (laughs) yeah so like elephants are just wild they're they're an interesting creature to study i highly recommend that one yeah but anyway i had an elephant wave at me one time in uganda (laughs) it was really cool uh so We've gone through a little bit of the, well, a lot of the book content, uh, a little (laughs) bit of the movie content, a little bit of what John Green is all about, what he's contributed to in the world, and a little bit of uh, Josh Boone and how he produced the movie and all of that. But uh, this question is mostly directed at you because you've had a lot more time to reflect on these things Mm -hmm. as you've kind of grown as a Christian. Where do you see God's messages and and truths intersecting within the story of a f- of the fault in our stars. Okay, so first off, the we should see other people complexly thing. Bottom line is very Christian. <laughs> like, <It's>, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm like, yes, uh, that is very much a concept that we can take and run with, because I think. God is like, yes, you shouldn't just put stereotypes on people or um, make them into things that they are not. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of his characters, and I know this is going back into the books again, but one of his characters is literally named Spiegelman. Like, that's their last name. And it means mirror maker. And she's the one that everyone, like, puts their ideas on Mm, okay. and like the book is like discovering who she actually is that's paper towns by the way (laughs) anyway (laughs) so the whole like idea of like hey we shouldn't treat people as spiegelman or like mirrors where we like see someone and we're like ah yes you are exactly what i want you to be no we should listen to people and see who they are first and then be like hey do you want Jesus to be a part of that? <laughs> um, because that works so much better than trying to force Jesus onto people. Mm-hmm. Um, intercultural work <laughs> goes into that. Um, but also here in the States, that's a big part of knowing people. So seeing others complexly, getting to know others, mm-hmm. very biblical because 
Jesus did that. He took time to listen and be like, oh, who are you? Um, even though he already knew them. Uh, yeah. He, like the woman at the well type situation where he's like asking her questions even though he already knows the answers to them. Right. Um, and when we don't know the answers to questions, we definitely need to get to know people first. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, though, I think specifically with Tifios or the Fallen Our Stars, uh, as it is known by its long name. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said about how we treat people who have illness Mm -hmm. um, or who are just going through different struggles in the church. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be a physical ailment. It could also be a mental health situation. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there are times where, well, let me back up. So, yes, we should pray for people. Like, I'm not going to say, no, don't pray for someone. Uh, Prayer is very powerful. And so, like, yes, pray for someone if they have cancer. Pray for someone if they have a headache. Like, no matter what difficulty you're going through, Mm -hmm. pray for them. Like, this week, for whatever reason, I keep losing stuff in my apartment. Like, I'm not losing... (laughs) stuff like outside of my apartment Austin's probably like she loses stuff all the time I'm keeping, it's not... I'm, I'm keeping my voice to myself I'm not <laughs> um, saying anything <laughs> that's specifically with my phone but like I couldn't find my wallet the other day and then I couldn't find my hat and so then I'd like do this thing that I've done before where I'm just like okay take a deep breath just pray and ask God to help you find it um, and every time that I do that, like, I don't know if it's just because it's like, okay, we're calm. Like, it's going to be okay because God is in control of this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's because God's like, oh, here, I found it. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, or if it's just because, like, he helps me calm down so I can actually look mm-hmm. without being stressed. But, like, praying through struggles is a thing. And so I don't want to bash that um but when it comes to people who have lifelong or chronic or even terminal illnesses sometimes when god answers prayers the answer is gonna be no Mm -hmm. and i think we as christians struggle with that answer or struggle to make sense of it. Um, And uh, so getting to the point where it's okay, and I don't know if it necessarily even has to be okay, but getting to the point where we acknowledge that sometimes God doesn't have to fix someone, Mm -hmm. where it's like, okay, we should definitely like pray for this person and continue to pray for them. But if God doesn't fix them, and I don't even I don't even like using the word fix because sometimes it's not even that big of an issue. Like right, there, and like it's it, it introduces a different way of thinking when you start looking at it as something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that like puts unnecessary pressure on that person. Like it makes mm-hmm. it almost their fault yeah. that they're not getting better. Um, and we're not about that. Yeah. Our job is to extend love and support. Mm -hmm. God's the one who's in control. 
Um, he is the one who is going to see them through that situation, like whatever the struggle is. Mm-hmm. And um, the passages that I kind of was thinking through when it comes to that, and I've thought about this a lot, um, just because, like I've said, chronic illness is a thing in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I brought it up last week with John 9. Uh, it might be 10. John, yeah. One of them. One of those John chapters <laughs> uh, with the man born blind. Um, when Jesus first walks up to him, the disciples are like, okay, so like, why is this dude blind? Is it because his parents sinned or is it because of his own sin? And Jesus is like, option C, uh, which fun fact on my uh, geometry homework, whenever it was a multiple choice problem, the option C was always correct. So Jesus knows what's up. (laughs) Anyway, uh, he's like, option C, it's for God's glory. Like he's blind so that God can be glorified. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. It's not always gonna be a clear answer to why you're going through something Mm -hmm. it's not always gonna be like okay x happened so y happened um it's more tangled up and harder to see sometimes why god is making something happen and even using the word make is a little bit of a perspective shift because like making and allowing or God's in control Mm -hmm. Um, and saying he made it happen has that like intentionality behind it that mm, I'm not sure if people are okay with but then like allowing makes it seem like he's just standing back and not caring and we kind of covered that in minecraft and yeah anyway um then there's also hezekiah's illness and that's um, your old testament chapter or story from for the week Mm -hmm. uh and that's in second kings 20 and if you don't know hezekiah got really sick uh and he was gonna die and i think it's isaiah who showed up and was like hey dude you're gonna die and then he's like, bye, <laughs> and <laughs> leaves. Uh, and Hezekiah's like, oh no, I'm gonna die. Um, and turns towards the wall and just starts crying. As, yeah. as you do when you're about to die. Um, and so Isaiah's carrying on his way after delivering the death sentence thing. Because um, <laughs> he's Isaiah and mm-hmm. he, has, he has other prophety things. He's got to, stuff to do. Yeah, other prophety things to go do. Um, and God's like, hey, wait, <laughs> turn back around. Hezekiah's been praying, and you need to go tell him that he's actually going to live. And Isaiah's like, okay. And so then he goes back and tells him, like, okay, you're going to live. What sign do you want to have happen so that you know that this was God? Um, and so then he gives him a couple options. Hezekiah picks one. Um, and what makes this story like even more interesting, if it's not already interesting enough, is that directly after this, Hezekiah allows the Babylon like the Babylonians come to visit, and he's like, "Hey, want to look at my treasury?" Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and God's like, um, "Hey." <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> you know, that means like, uh, they're gonna come back for your treasure. Like, they're gonna take everything in this treasury. And he's like, oh, but I won't be alive for that. And it's just like, Hezekiah, <laughs> dude, <laughs> you should have died. Which, like, some people are like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, why did God let him live if he was just gonna, like, sentence Israel to uh, punishment by like the next chapter Mm -hmm. which you know it was a few years difference it just is like you turn the page in the bible but there was a bit of time there yeah um and it's like well you know israel is sinful enough that like it would have happened anyway like because of god's plan but (sighs) analyzing that story is really interesting and i don't think we have time for that on we, this we, podcast we do not, unfortunately uh but like go ahead and think about it this week like god's plan is sometimes something that like we cannot understand and like illness plays into that mm-hmm. and any struggle really and including like getting dragged off to babylon mm-hmm. um and you know it's okay to wonder why you're going through hard things or wonder why is god doing this as long as you still have faith that like it'll be okay because god's in control and he's not doing it to cause you harm Mm. and so even if it feels like it's harming you because like yeah illness does harm you (laughs) that's like it makes you ill but like it ultimately does turn out for good like you may not even live to see it hezekiah did not live to see the babylonians (laughs) come and take the treasure um but God's in control and that's something that we can have a lot of faith in and so I think that's kind of like where we diverge from uh, the morals that are taught in a lot of uh, the John Green novels because like John Green is I think Christian but I think it's more a little bit more nominal Um, he doesn't really talk about his religious views a ton Um, and so given that I don't even think they would necessarily bleed into his books that much if he's not that vocal about them Mm -hmm. um and so because of that there is kind of more like well people die (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of just like where it ends with Tifios but we know that there's a better ending um and yeah yeah, and I think that it would be good to even expand that to a more uh, practical sense. I think that most of the people around today sort of suffer from something that I think we've kind of dubbed by this point main character syndrome. I am the only person in the world who has thinking feelings, anything going on in their life, and I am the only one suffering. So clearly everyone else must understand this and it, it needs to stop giving me all this crap. All you side characters need to be quiet. Yeah, exactly. And I'm looking at you, especially NPC, somebody I've never met in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to have a lot more compassion for the people that are around us. Like you have to think for a second. Like This is something that actually we were taught before. Uh, I, I used to work for Verizon Wireless. And during my training there, they actually told us during the training, try to picture what your customer was going through that day get an idea in your head maybe even ask them some questions about it 
get an idea of what it is that they've been experiencing. And this was for a immoral purpose, in my opinion. But, you know, and figure out what it is their needs may be. And... I sort of took that more to heart in terms of what are their needs currently? Do they need someone to talk to? Of course, Verizon means sales, but you know, that's complete respect to them. They just, they have things to sell and they are trying their best to provide service to customers. So it's just more of a wording thing, Mm -hmm. I think. And I mean, they do help a lot of people in that sense, but it's just seeing people as more like seeing them as complex beings, as you were saying, it's more than them just being a one layered personality and understanding when they're complex, they might be not be complex like you are complex. They might have completely different views than you do. We've had a lot of classes at Moody, or at least I have because I'm in the intercultural department, that have done a lot of the same things where it's like, okay, let's sit and think about the fact that other people have different thoughts and feelings than you do. Um, And it gets a little bit tedious where it's like, yeah, that should be obvious at this point. But then at times it's like, oh, yeah, I guess maybe people don't think about that. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So, yeah, it's definitely necessary, especially at this point in time where I think people just tend to overlook it. Mm -hmm. So with that all being said, I think that that is a, a good proper message to leave it off on for this week. So pausing here because I need to pull up the schedule. What is it that you're doing? Rolling my tongue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So setting up for next week, like we were doing last week, I think we're just going to keep this as a normal thing. It helps. I think it helps. I think it helps. I think it helps you. Like it helps just, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next week we're going to be going. We're we're going to start getting into the the nitty gritty a little bit with a movie called Life Itself. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> how should we as Christians see content that is meant to imitate the horrors and realities of being human? Because you know there are very there are very very many types of people in the world that are a little bit fearful of mm-hmm. seeing things like that because there's quite a few people that kind of live in a bubble and unfortunately many that also think that because they believe in God that God will give them you know beautiful perfect lives. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go into why that's not biblically accurate next week. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to pop the bubble. We're going to pop a lot of bubbles, and it's gonna be a great time. Woo. Hopefully, you all understand where we're coming from here, and we're not. And you know, you're not, you're not thinking that we're just out here trying to to harm you. I mean, a little bit, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to get hurt. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us or if you have any comments or questions that you would like us to read, we have an email now. Ooh. I know. It's such a wild thing, this technology stuff. You can oh, reach no. out to us at ccmoody22 at gmail.com. So you can give us any questions that you have about episodes we've already done, maybe even topic requests that we can go in and talk about. We already have our topics solidified for this season, but we can at least uh, probably attach the topic requests to the topics that we've already solidified. Yeah. So it'll be something that'll be kind of fun. We always love uh, having the opportunity to interact with our audiences. So it would be fantastic to hear from some of you. And uh, until next week, I suppose. Yeah, farewell. Farewell.